Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Connect 2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Hey Jeff, how are you? I'm 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 better. It's been, <laughs> yes. been uh it's been a while. It's been a rocky week. It's been a rocky couple weeks, but uh we missed last week because I was away on a family emergency is maybe too strong, but a family urgent urgent, urgent family business that is uh playing out. So but uh, that went okay. Then I had a little health scare. I think scare is a fair scare is thing. a is a really with fair. Uh, some blood pressure hyper hypertensive crisis for unknown reasons, but that's under control. And uh, now I'm just overworked and trying to catch up on everything that I missed last week. So how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, better, better. So. Uh, dad jokes. Oh, right. Man, do you have a dad joke? I oh, and if you're new to the channel, rate, review, and subscribe, particularly on uh, iTunes. Send us money too. We'll take money. We're not. We're not. We're not proud. Yep. And um, yeah. And tell your friends. Oh, and today we have coffee, of course. Always coffee. And today's coffee, courtesy of the Roasters Pack. Ooh, this is your uh, subscription. It's a subscription. It gives me all kinds of varied and interesting coffees. And today's coffee is from Toronto. It's called Diplito Blend by This Coffee Co. Um, so it is, the source is from Diplito, Nicaragua. Only one place. It's close to itself. And uh, note, tasting notes are milk, chocolate, brown sugar, and pomegranate. This is a post-roast blend, meaning we are able to tweak the ratio of two Nicaraguan coffees to perfection. The result is a balanced milk, chocolate, nougat, and brown sugar forward coffee mm. with some red apple and pomegranate acidity to make this the perfect everyday coffee. There you go. Chin chin. Absolutely. It's nice. It's very nice. Uh, so, dad jokes. Yep, Star Trek dad jokes. Uh oh. <laughs> that could be. That could be a little scary. If Mister Spock has pointed ears, what does Mister Scott have? <laughs> I don't know. Engineers. Oh my god. <laughs> ah. Why did the Scarecrow win an award? Uh, because he was outstanding in his field. Oh, I thought it was because he's made of straw. What do you call a sheep with no legs? A cloud. <laughs> Ground bar. <laughs> Here's the Borg assimilated my species, and all I got was this lousy ocular implant. I remember when the shovel was invented. It was a truly brown, groundbreaking creation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Two goldfish are in a tank. One says to the other, do you know how to drive this thing? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let me see here. Why can you never find elephants when they hide in trees? <laughs> because... Uh, because they're very good at it. They're very good at it. There you go. Very funny, Scotty. Now beam down my clothes. <laughs> and what do you call a dog that can do magic? 
Abraca Puchka. A Labracadabra Doodle. Labracadabra Doodle. There you go. How many ears does Captain Kirk have? I don't know. He's got three the left ear, the right ear, and the final front ear. Oh my God. Nobody laughed at my Star Trek joke. Maybe I didn't tell her right. Oh, man. That, that, <laughs> that is obscure. <laughs> so, uh, what are the, what letters of the alphabet? Uh, do your lips touch to pronounce? Wow. Mm. That's one. M? Mm. M, okay. And uh, not U. P? No, not really. P? P. Okay, M, P, S, P, U. No, and. B? Oh, yeah. And uh, depends on how you pronounce it, but. W. W. Dub. W. W. Okay. W. Okay. W. W. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, so I've learned actually a few of the things I learned kind of relate to our theme for today. Okay. So, well, I think I'm only going to talk about one because they're both kind of long. But so I've been exposed <laughs> i've been exposed oh my god I've been exposed to the philosophies of oswald spengler <laughs> oswald spengler was that sounds a, like a made-up name no it's true he was a 20th century philosopher <laughs> and, well, uh, oswald spengler Sorry. and i am certainly not gonna pretend that on the basis of a 40-minute youtube video that i understand his philosophies in great depth but fascinating so he is uh, he's he's sort of a proponent of cultures die and he's he was written he wrote that the western culture is dying okay um and that it basically peaked in his estimation around the four you know the 1400s um so here's his uh synopsis and the reason that i thought this was interesting because it explains at least he had an explanation for why certain cultures don't um develop mm -hmm. um so his idea is that a culture needs to uh it, it's got a life cycle like everything else okay, well, that, and, it, yeah. and it basically a culture once it fulfills its aspirations becomes stagnant so he talks about chinese culture has been stagnant for thousands of years indian culture stagnant and now western culture started declining uh Round about the 1400s. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, his argument is that if you take like Western culture, we've, we've made technological advancements since that time, obviously. So these are like minor tweaks, but we haven't really done anything uh, totally changing the paradigm. Not right. really. So, for instance, he talks about the Magna Carta being part of Western culture's like huge call it evolutionary jump, the, the concept that people had inherent rights, which then went on to inform, you know, uh, things during the, the Renaissance and classical and even the American constitution is a huge, call it human jump, right? right? Versus, and then ever since then, we haven't really done anything. I mean, we've, you know, expansions and like I say, technological stuff, that's kind of incremental improvements as opposed to this massive jump. And then he was explaining why certain, so in his view, Western culture 
uh, going back to the, sort of the end of Rome. It's about 11, you know, we have a view of time that other cultures don't have. Oh, really? And, and part of our view of time is manifested in an importance around history. So yeah. we are fascinated with history. We see time as a linear continuum, right? Okay. So we're very interested in, in having accurate history. Right. Whereas even the Romans, they had kind of history, but they made up a lot of this. Like a lot of the Roman history was fanciful and, and a little bit mythological. It was kind of like they like didn't Roman really, fabulists? Yeah, they didn't really care about accuracy, whereas we've become very, very... Well, except if you're a Trumpist. Right. Well, that could be part of this decline of, you know, and so because we have this view of time that basically says things that we do today, it's almost like a goal-driven way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. This is why we have continued to invest and innovate and drive things forward. Whereas some of the primitive, he, this is his word, but you take like, for instance, uh, some of these tribes that have for thousands and thousands of years have not really innovated anything. Right? Yep. Their view of time is almost more like, um, I'm being simplistic here, like, like the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah. Every day, like they don't, they don't conceptualize the past or they don't care about it or like with the exception of if something really significant happens that, you know, impacts them, then they'll, they'll integrate that into their, like to their knowledge. Okay. So, the example that I thought of this morning was like the North Senegalese on that island. Right, right. right who've yeah. been, you know, they've been by themselves for 60,000 years. They haven't even invented the wheel yet, right? Well, do they even know what they've invented? Well, bows, arrows, right? Well, clearly because they you shoot know? them at yeah. people. And, and so they would be representative of one of these cultures for whom time is right, like really meaningless. Like they don't, it, it's not... They might have legends, but again, they would all be applied to practical mm -hmm. lessons. And why do they shoot at white people now? Well, because some of their initial interactions, maybe a couple hundred years ago with uh, uh, Westerners, didn't really turn out that well, right? Mm -hmm. People were killed. And I think at one point there was some sort of pandemic amongst them and it wiped out like oh, really? two thirds of their tribe. So now they've integrated this in their just their general knowledge white people when they show up on the island we don't ask a lot of questions we just kill these people just shoot them right yeah so it's fascinating it's this idea that well cultures like, have a different but it's kind of like how dogs uh, dogs view time right there's just now yeah right there's not even tomorrow right or right. yesterday there is just exactly now. so when you live in the now you're there's less impetus to invent things so, you know why would you invent the wheel well, to make work easier, easier tomorrow, right? Well, who cares, right? Tomorrow's tomorrow. Forget about it, right? So I thought that was fascinating. We've got food and, for today. And in our culture is in decline, and we don't know what's going to replace it. Maybe AI. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that in media because yeah. anyway. And then the other thing I learned, again, tying into, I saw there was an article, um, some scientists from Microsoft mm -hmm. and university are postulating that the universe is a is a self-learning mechanism in that we've the assumption has for a long time been that the laws of the universe are fixed have always been fixed and i'm talking about like fundamental stuff right like gravity 
And they're now saying that may not be true, that the universe may actually be evolving in an evolutionary process akin to Darwinism, where whatever makes the universe work better. And they're not arguing that this is a consciousness, although there are people who would argue that, but that it's just undergoing this process of constant refinement of even the laws of physics, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Interesting. It kind of makes everything, you know, what can you trust? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole... Maybe the world is flat. <laughs> so I'm going to place... What did you learn? I'm gonna, I learned two things. Okay. Well, I've learned amongst the things I've learned. Uh, but here's one thing that I've learned. Can you hear that? Yeah. What, what is that? Oh, it's a familiar sound. Is it America Online? You're close. So uh, it's Skype. <gasps> right. So the question is, whatever happened to Skype? So Skype is uh, has been. Um, so Skype was kind of the first peer-to-peer -peer video caller, and and now everybody's doing it, right? Like we do it with Zoom and with Teams and with Google Meet, and there's lots and lots and lots of options related to uh, to um, uh, video calling. But yep. but Skype was kind of the big thing. It grew and expanded, and and uh, but it's kind of it's kind of disappearing. Right. There's still about 40 million users, active users on, okay. on Skype, which is nothing to sneeze at. Mm -hmm. But originally, it uh, kind of grew really fast in right. the early 2000s, before yep. there was even a concept of video. It was actually for making like regular phone calls using voice, voice over, over internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then it got bought by eBay. Okay. And eBay was able to fund it and make it grow and all that stuff. Sure. But it never really fit in with eBay. So in the mm. late 2000s, um, it got uh, sold to a venture capital company okay. for like uh, $2.7 Wow. Like and then it got, and then like three years later, and it continued to grow. Okay. And then it got sold to Microsoft. Ah, that's your problem right there. And Microsoft is where good programs go to die. That's right. <laughs> and um, anyway, it uh, it started doing really well, kept getting bundled with, my, and uh, it was purchased for like eight or nine billion dollars. Wow. So in four years. By Microsoft. They, yeah, they, yeah. They really did. Really What's it worth now? <laughs> well not an awful lot no. so and because what's happened in in the world of microsoft and so it was really good and everybody was familiar with that sound that, that yeah that yeah yeah calling yeah. sound right in skype um but you almost never hear it anymore no. because nobody really or very few people use skype there's diehard skype people yeah. but there's You're always there's, diehard but what ended up happening is like, uh, it, it really the, the massive decline started at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, where all of a sudden online stuff was critical. Sure. And Microsoft leaned heavy into Teams. And oh, uh, then there was Zoom and so they killed. And so what's happened is Skype and Teams are exist in parallel on Microsoft, but they're essentially offering something very similar. Right. So, and Microsoft. Not a big fan of Teams, I got to say. 
Oh, Teams is good. You can do dinosaur talking dinosaurs, right? Cool. You can do a, an avatar of you as a dinosaur talking or a monkey or a dog. How often does that come in handy in a meeting? My wife loves it. <laughs> My wife absolutely loves it. Actually, it's yeah. Teams is pretty good for yeah. integration of chat and uh, and um, yeah and video um, and, uh, and and integrates well with yeah. Microsoft. I like Zoom better. I don't know. Well, Zoom is good, yeah. but it's. Uh, there's so there's a website Google Meets called, also uh, not yeah called yeah I've done I've used I've used them all uh, remember go to meeting that's sort of gone now dude. that is gone and Webex uh, is kind yeah, of yeah um, I've used that that's too, a Cisco right? product I right. think and um, but anyway so so Skype is so so Skype is kind of disappearing disappearing so there's a guy is from uh, it's a website called College Humor mm-hmm. and they have one guy who does he always does the CEO of these different companies. It's mm-hmm. quite funny, right? It's ridiculous stuff. But he did one on Skype. And yeah, that was his whole point. He's like, how could we be losing? We were like, what did you call making a call? Skyping. We had like, we were there. I oh, know, exactly. <laughs> right. Nobody's Zooming or they weren't. Well, they are that, now. Like, what the hell happened? So yeah, interesting. Yeah. I actually just saw some YouTube video yesterday, and I don't remember the guy's name, of an early stage programmer who worked for Microsoft talking, telling tales out of school about just how dysfunctional that company is in terms of when they were creating things like windows, different versions of the windows. And it, it's just, it's just these snippets and it's like, they didn't know heads for tail, bad code, patching errors. You talked about Microsoft enterprise. At one point they had the desktop and, and, and the enterprise version running, like they were developing them in parallel the uh, I think the desktop guy said they needed three years to do the next version. The enterprise guy said they could do in 18 months. So they just cannibalized stuff from one and then they kind of jammed it in there. And that's why it was crap because it was just half-baked and well, I fascinating. Think, I think Microsoft is doing quite a bit better than it used to be. I don't think it's a great innovator, but I think it's a good optimizer. Right. So um, they're good at fixing stuff yeah i mean like skype like right now apparently if you go on skype you can have a hundred concurrent people on skype whereas wow. google meeting you can have a thousand interesting so it's kind of a bit of a problem when you've got competitive product from the same manufacturer yeah one does better than the other right so interesting the other thing i heard was a convincing time traveler story about a guy named sergey ponomarenko have you ever heard of this guy i have heard of this guy I've heard the name. So he appeared in, uh, I think it was either in the late 90s or early 2000s. Okay. He showed up. He was wearing kind of old-timey clothes, had like a, not a Leica, but like an old film camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the film camera, there were pictures of him. So he, he showed up in Kiev, uh, and, and then the film cam. so... Uh, so he was there. Right. He was lost. He identified himself as Sergei um, Ponomarenko, and um, they didn't have history of him. They had it, but he had an ID that was from the USSR. Right. That was from uh, that identified that he was born in 1932, but he was a young man. Yep. So, anyway, so the the overlying story is the idea is that this was so he was. He time traveled from 
he basically was photographing his girlfriend and okay in, in, in Kiev, but old time Kiev. Yeah. And then he photographed well, for him. It was not old time Kiev. He was photographing, and all of a sudden, this bell shaped thing, a UFO, right, shows up, and he has a picture of it. Okay. And then the next thing he knows, he's in the current uh, time, like the current wow. timeline, right? And, did, and did, did, he was there. And he had no other ID. Right. Had this USSR ID, and and it, you know, he seemed to think it was 1958. So, uh, and then a few days later, he disappears. Interesting. And he disappears, and then if you look in historical, there is evidence of this woman who right. was his, his girlfriend, girlfriend and, yeah. and you know, he said he reappeared. He disappeared for a few days in 1958, and then he reappeared. Wow. Telling crazy stories about the future. And yeah. then uh, and then he disappeared again in some I other I don't know days. where he is. Yeah. And, and, and so. Interesting. And then there was all this uh, evidence of interviews with him. And sure. Except there's one problem. What's that? Basically, the whole thing's made up. Okay. So it sounds convincing. It sounds compelling. Except for one problem. It is entirely from a... Russian sci-fi TV oh, yeah. show okay. where they made everything up. And, you know, even the document that said USSR is like... Some, sure. Is, 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 it's a forgery. Yeah. It, it's a it's an interesting looking forgery, but it's like uh, instead of an official USSR stamp, it's like a stamp for a, for a Boy Scout troop. <laughs> okay. Like it's just, so not that convincing. Yeah. And the skyline of Kiev that they show the modern skyline or whatever, or the old skyline has got like the Empire State Building. And like it was some cut and paste that was. Okay. So it was, yeah. So anyway, uh, so but it's a compelling time traveler story sure. that has made it all over the internet. But it's it is actually like episode three or episode six okay. of this particularly non, not a not a great received sci-fi uh, series in Russia. It's in a Russia. Russian sci-fi series, and each one was different. And this is one of those episodes. Interesting. And, and it's just cool. uh, but basically the content of it was put put out as, as being real, real yeah. and people believed it. So there's a couple other stories that have circulated. There's one, well, I know of three. There's one about a, a guy who was purportedly hit by a car in the 1950s in New York. And they like, he was killed, right? He just, some guy said, Holy, this guy came out of nowhere, right? And he hit this guy <clears throat> and purportedly he was dressed in, in 19th century clothing and had, you know, when I checked his his pockets, he had like a like a, a stub, yeah, some yeah. ticket stub from whatever. And then they looked into the history, and sure enough, some guy disappeared like in eighteen seventy eight from New York, just right. And it's supposedly the same guy. So even, that's one. We don't even need sound effects. <laughs> the other one is the the supposed man from Torred story. This guy, who? So there's a guy arrives in Japan yeah. at gets off a flight and he goes to the. Uh, immigration this is in japan and he's got this passport from this country that the japanese guys have never heard of supposedly called torred t-a-u-r-e-d and they're like what the hell is this right and the guy's like well what do you mean like this is you know and i'm <clears throat> supposedly coming to japan for a business meeting with this particular company and so they start looking into it and the guy gets very agitated when they, they keep telling him his country doesn't exist and he's like i'm telling you it's in europe it's between I can't remember, two of the existing countries, right? It's a small nation, and here's the passport. And I've got 
currency, right? The Japanese guys are totally like they show him a map. His country's not on it. He gets very agitated. Like what the hell's going on? And I said, look, we're going to put you in a hotel. We'll figure out what's going on. They investigate. They try to call. Yeah. They call the company that he was supposed to meet with. They've never heard of this guy. The executive, the company exists, but the executive that he's supposed to meet never existed. And then, yeah, the next morning they go and he's gone. gone. It's always a disappearing. So that, that there's that one. And then there's a guy who was on the web in the early 2000s who claimed to be a time traveler. Right. John Titor. Yeah, that's right. right. I think we talked about it. That was a very involved narrative. Yeah. Uh, Well, at first he came to be, people thought he was from the future. And people were arguing he might have been from an alternative reality. Right. Coming back to get a particular computer because there's some future EMP blast or something that they need. So. These are great stories. They're great stories. Yeah. I mean, how would you tell if there was actually a time traveler? I mean, it's yeah. it's a fanciful thing that is off. Wasn't it? Was it you? It was just joking with me about Stephen Hawking? Why nobody showed up for his time travel party? <laughs> because of the Epstein thing. <laughs> okay. Because he's on the list, right? He's on the list. On the Epstein Island? Yeah, yeah, that's so right. People like, well, this is why nobody showed up from the future, because in the future, his reputation is in the sh- in the crapper. And they're like, I'm not going to go see this pedo. Forget it, right? So, <laughs> so we were like, oh, well, maybe that's an explanation. So not that, not that there's any evidence that he was anything other than there, but it is a bit odd. A bit odd. Well, and today we're talking about Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Yes. So I was going to read up on it. <laughs> so the basic definition. Now, first of all, this is something postulated by Carl Jung, right? He came up with this concept uh, like a long time ago. And let's see, what is the definition? I found the definition on the web. Yeah, I was looking at it too. As, uh, in psychology, synchronicity is defined as the occurrence of meaningful coincidences that seem to have no cause. Right. That is, the coincidences are a-causal. The underlying right. idea is there is unity in diversity. Right. And so this ties into the uh, collective consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, so when things, so basically. No, no, just hold that a second. Oh, yeah. For me, synchronicity is a police album. Yeah, there you go. But that <laughs> album is about synchronicity. Yes, I know. Right? So the argument is that there are no coincidences, well, not that there are no coincidences, but that um, not everything that's coincidence is actually a coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the examples would be, and I've I've had these experiences myself where, you're thinking, you know, out of the blue, you think about a particular person that maybe you haven't seen for a while. And the next thing you know, you run into them around the corner or the phone rings and it's them. And you're like, I was just thinking about you. Right. So these are simplistic examples. Another part, and this has been happening to me for about three months now. The, 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 like I keep seeing the number 11. Okay. I see 11, 11, I see 11. So two or three times a day on average, I will check my, my phone for just randomly. Like be what time it is. It'll be like 9, 11, 11, 11, 10, 11. I think it's 11, 11 now. There you go. <laughs> see? 
just, <laughs> I mean, and so I've been taking pictures uh, to store this because it's probably happened about 20 times now. Where yeah, maybe you get like, you know, some gas. At so 1111, no, 1111, if you're a numerologist, it means it's a, some sign, it's a synchronistic sign of being on the right track. Okay. Okay. Uh, the number three, like three is not a powerful number. Right. And so, yeah. So Jung argued that there's like sort of this whole layer of collective conscious, like, like he didn't really know what to attribute it to. Uh, so another example are um, artists who will purport to have written a song and it's like the whole song was already there. John Lennon talked about this, you know, sometimes writing a song is, is arduous work where you're like you know, slogging through it. And you're trying to come up with, you know, what rhymes with orange and it's just this painful. And then other people have said, you know what? I woke up and, uh, Paul McCartney, um, uh, let it be. He dreamt about his mother and we woke up. The whole song was in his head, just sat up, wrote it down. Boom. Uh, the guess who apparently claimed to have gotten American woman almost like it was just being, apparently they were, they improvised it and okay. they, were, they were doing a show and then just started singing this tune and started coming up with these lyrics. It was like, where's this song coming from? So there's, there's a whole, and I mean, Carl Jung was no guy off the street, right? Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, so it ties into quantum physics it ties, and you know, the more physicists are, are studying, well, you were talking the more about, it's like, you were wow. talking about this duality and quantum physics, that there can be two realities. Yes. Right. Yeah. Is that part of what you're talking I, about? I think it might be right. So, and then there's the multi, you know, like the, the, the many worlds theory. Mm -hmm. So is it that we're just, you're tapping into something that's happening, you know, in an adjacent universe? Nobody really knows. Right. But Jung was pretty convinced there's too many of these things to just be purely coincidental. Right. Mm -hmm. And because, and I think like the definition said, it's like a meaningful coincidence. Right. I mean... Yeah, there's coincidences that are just, you know, <laughs> not. But you thinking about somebody. Now, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I, I saw this one on Reddit. A guy was purportedly going through his CD collection. Okay. This is great. If this is true, this is perfect synchronicity. And uh, you know how it is, right? You're like, geez, you know, a particular album pops into your head and you're like, I think it would be great to listen to that. And, and so he... Um, it's going through a CD collection and he realizes that particular CD is gone. Like he doesn't have it. So he had to think back and he's like, oh shit, I lent it to some guy like years ago, right? Roommate or whatever. And the guy never gave it back to me, right? right? Damn it, right? According to the story, not five minutes later, door knocks. And the roommate's the door. there. It's his old friend who's in town and he's got the CD. Oh, wow. And he's like, you know what? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Going through my stuff. And we haven't seen each other for years. And I realize I borrowed this and I never gave it back. It's like, if that's true, that's a perfect example of synchronicity. That, you know, how can that possibly be? Right? So. Uh, that's interesting. Powerful stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, the first time I heard the word was, was with the police album. Right. 
And uh, yeah, and uh, without a cause, scientific laws, exactly synchronicity. That's what it is. A fact without a cause. And again, have you heard of retro? Oh, what the hell is it called? So it's part of that that um, the uh, split uh, slit experiment. Yes, yeah, right. So they actually run another one where somehow the outcome it there's like a retroactivity. It's almost like the information travels back in time. Oh, right. Right? So, because they do it kind of in real time, right. but then they set it up with a bunch of mirrors and there's something about the two, they travel a further distance. So the whole right? concept is that the idea from classical mechanics is that if you do two slits and you shoot like, you know, something right. through it, right. uh, like a light, you're going to end up with one slit and another right. slit, Right. But yeah. in reality, you get a range of slits because there's this probabilistic directional travel. This is, yeah, this is how it, it works. It goes through. So they do it without observation. And then they observe it several hours later. Yeah. And it gives the result of having been observed. Right. And they're like, how can that be? Right? Because if you observe it in real time, well, we don't even understand how that works. Right? It's If you observe it, it behaves like a, is it a wave? Yeah. If you don't observe it, it behaves like particles. Yeah. One or the other. Right? Well, it has a combination. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they set it up so that the observation doesn't happen until later. And yet the results show the same as if it was observed. So like how could the universe, I mean, because they don't think the atom has consciousness, but they don't know. You know how could that be giving the result of being observed when it was observed later. So it's a, like an extra level. So they're calling that like a, I can't remember this particular term, but it's almost like the information somehow travels back in time. Right. And, and impacts what happened. And even they've tried it like a day later. Well, it's like the whole Schrodinger's cat thing. The idea right. is that you, you can't know both the position and the state. I think right. it's at the same time. Yep. So if you know one, it determines the other. Um, so if you observe it, you have decided which one you're observing. It's, it's yeah, it's I think it's velocity and and position of a, of a, something an like atomic that. particle. So yeah. if you can, you know its position. You don't know. You don't know how fast it's going. If right. you know or what direction it's going, it's you don't know where it is. Exactly. It's like uh, electrons are like that. So yes, that's, uh, that's a big big issue. Well, now we know electrons. Again, when we were kids, when you take entry level physics it's drawn like a little solar system, right? Right. But now we know. There's more like a cloud. It's a cloud of probabilities. Yeah. Right. So this is where all of this stuff comes from. So when Jung comes along and he goes, well, we have these coincidences that are meaningful. And we now know it's almost like the more we learn about science, the more some of these crazy ideas from the past become maybe not proven, but they become compatible with what we're seeing experimentally. Mm -hmm. Which is why I always say, if you're going around thinking that you know with great certainty something, I'm going to tread here in political ground, you know, to the point where you think you can tell other people what to do. Yeah. I always think, we don't know nothing. We don't know why gravity works, you know. Like, you have to have some pretty big hubris to say, I know for sure Earth is flat. what's right, yeah. and you shouldn't be doing that with your life. and. That takes some big cojones, my friend, because, <laughs> you know, we don't know much. 
Do you want to know a total aside? I do. Uh, total aside. But it is related to synchronicity in okay. that it's a police album. <laughs> <laughs> the first three Ghost, albums Ghost from the, the police. So the first three albums. Uh, so there is a, um, Outlandis D'Amour. Yep. Regatta de Blanc. Right. Zenyatta Mandata. Yeah. And then Ghost in the Machine and right. Synchronicity. Yeah. Did okay. they only do five albums? Uh, they might have done more. But th those are... But that was their those, peak. Those, are, those right? are their peak. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Uh, yeah, because they kind of broke apart because they, did, they didn't really get along. So so Outlandis D'Amour, Regatta de Blanc, and uh, Zenyatta Mandata. These are nonsensical names. They right. were intentionally set up as nonsensical. Right. They don't actually mean anything. No, just... They're they're uh, like Outlandis d'Amour sounds like French or something, but it's yeah, not, it's no, not. and Regatta de Blanc, it, it's the same. I mean, yeah, and uh, Zenyatta Mandata, it's just it's the right. same. The, they, these were intentionally set up as names that were ridiculous, yeah, and had absolutely no meaning. And then apparently Sting had a falling out. Like this was a a, a group thing, and then they decided no more, and and so Ghost in the Machine. Was because Sting laid his foot down and said, "No, we're no more of this. No gibberish. more of this gibberish." Interesting. So, anyway, so yeah, yeah. I don't know if that ties in with yeah, any maybe. synchronicity for today's uh, talk. I saw a really good interview with uh, so Stuart Copeland's one of my favorite drummers. He is an I interesting his, guy, right? But he was talking about, um, you know, like there'll, there'll often be articles in like Drummer Magazine, and, yeah, yeah. And guys are trying to like you know deconstruct. And he's like, you know, every time we set every every recording of that song, the drumming was slightly different. Like mm -hmm. it's not like I sat there and 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 did a chart, you know. Yeah. Like I kind of just went with it. Right? Well, and apparently this is. And the then issue. when we did tours, he'd have to actually reconstruct how whatever did, he how did. How did I play that? Yeah, exactly. But people, so he's fascinated by this idea that I'm sure it happens in in the guitar world as well, where people are like, ooh. You know, and they're deconstructing this thing like it's like it's a, a a symphony written by Mozart. And he's like, "We did in the studio. Like we probably did twenty takes, and everyone was different, was slightly different, or sometimes really different. And we like this one. We put on the album, right? So yeah. it's not like I planned it. And you know, well, and, and why, it's, and why it's, did he hit the cowbell then? I don't know because you know. Well, and, 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 and my wife is taking drumming lessons, and so I'm sure you would appreciate this. Um, like in the 80s, uh, you know, drummers had a particular way of drumming. But right. nowadays, it's pretty common for most drummers to have in their, in their monitors, in their ears, a click track. Oh, yeah. Right? And yep. that's to keep the beat because what they're doing is too complicated to be able to do that and keep the beat. Right. Whereas... In the original, you know, in the 70s and oh, yeah. 80s. Most of it was straightforward. You needed to yeah. be straightforward because they're keeping the beat. They're the backbone of the band. Right. And now, like, uh, you know, she's a big fan of this sleep token thing. Oh, man, the sleep token thing. Oh, I have to tell you about that. <laughs> so we have, um, so we have, uh, I, I, I think I told you I made this foolish purchase of these tickets in New York at Radio City. You no. Know? So my wife was is this huge fan of this band, Sleep Token. It's okay. a metal, goth metal band thing. And uh, I, I can see that. And she was a huge <laughs> fan of this. And this ties in with the drummer. The drummer is quite a mm. good drummer. Mm -hmm. 
and I think they won some sort of award. Um, but anyway, um, so uh, the pre-sale was up and my wife is like, I got to go to work, keep an eye on my screens and, you know, see if there's a ticket comes up. So I'm watching on her. It's not even my laptop. It's her laptop. She's doing it. And I check and she's got multiple tabs open. And one of the tabs is kind of like, and all of a sudden the tickets show up. I'm going, shit, okay, I'll get this. So I get this. I pay for it. I pay too much money for it. And I'm going like, I got you the tickets. And, and she's just like over the moon. She's just like, you are awesome. And so, you know, I got the husband cred. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff, and I, you know, it's a bit expensive. And then I realize this sure looks like Ticketmaster, but this ain't Ticketmaster. So, and I, looks like I have bought, I bought from a, a reseller that's one of these kind of sketchy resellers. <laughs> and apparently a lot of people have bought from these places. Okay. And, uh, so, so is this ticket, a real ticket? Well, this is the thing. So it's a real ticket, but it doesn't have kind of the real validity. Like if you get it from Ticketmaster or whatever, you know that you have the ticket yes now, Ticketmaster is a total scam there's all kinds of issues with it well, I mean, yes they own StubHub which is a reseller yeah is, yeah, yeah you yeah. know like it's it's really it's 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 corrupt. a mess it's very correct but but if you get a ticket from Ticketmaster or StubHub or yeah. StubHub you actually have a ticket yes okay so that all makes sense I have an email with the one of these tickets with the you know the have you ever seen the QR code where oh, yeah. it scans back and forth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes yeah, yeah. every 15 seconds. Yeah. So I have that, but it's kind of a little weird. Okay. Like I can't download it. You can't. Uh, can't put it in your Apple wallet? Or? No. Can't put it on your Apple. So it's, it's, yeah. So it's, it's been around. This place has been around for a while. It's called, I think it's called TicketCenter.com. It's not a real, it's not, it looks like Ticketmaster. It just isn't. Okay, so, and my wife said, well, I just had that up there. I was just looking for tickets. I didn't know, think you would actually press it. I'm going like, you had me waiting there for it. Anyway. Um, so. Um, <laughs> husband cred. So I've, diminished. Well, no, the husband cred. I still got lots of credit. Okay. So, okay, okay, we'll go to New York because it's New York City, right? Right. I'm going like, if we go there, we go to New York City. We spend thousands of dollars to get there. Yeah to stay there right to eat yeah. and then show up at radio city music hall and then like the ticket doesn't work They're like what the hell is this yeah so after i did this the band is now decided when's the show it's may 22nd okay so the the band has decided that they're pissed off at scalpers oh so they're requiring as part of this tour of which there's Radio City Music Hall is one of the tour. Uh-huh. That you have to show ID that you're the original purchaser of the of the ticket. Oh. Or it has to be traded on a fan exchange site like uh, Ticketmaster provides this, which is basically you can only pay face value for Okay, it. right, right, right. I paid well in excess of face value. Oh shit. So I'm going. What am I going to do here? Do I uh, spend more money after bad, go to New York? You know, a trip to New York City is kind of fun. Um, but showing up at the theater, hoping that maybe I'll get in. And the band has really screwed this up. Like, this is not a carefully well thought out kind of plan from the band. 
Meanwhile, since that time, they've released more uh, tour dates, including one in Montreal okay. on the three days later. And so, of course, we've actually bought tickets for that one on a fan resale site for face value. Mm. Now it's, you know, and, and they're reasonably good tickets. The ones in, in, uh, in Radio City, if they're real, are better tickets. Mm. And it's in New York. Uh, well, but, what you should do is so the question fly to Montreal, drive to New York City. Yeah. That'll be an adventure. <clears throat> Check it out. Maybe Check. you see them twice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the thing, right? Or you could sell the ones you got for New York to some old person. <laughs> well, I, at this point in time, I'd be really ready to get rid of them for like a fraction of what I paid for them just to not have to th there you go. think about them. For me, it's uh, an embarrassment and a, and just, a. It's just, I feel totally had, and I, the more I think about it, the less I want to think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I just want to move on. Sure. And kind of so like. Say, sunk cost. It's running. a sunk cost. Yeah, I don't want to spend more live money. And learn. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And, I mean, uh, unless you were planning on going to New York already, but you're probably not. So. We weren't. Oh, well, and it's mm. funny, you know, uh, some, my son, we asked, would you like to go to New York City? And he goes like, no. And, but. When my mom, my my mom, when his mom, my wife asked him, uh, he was like in a coffee shop. Okay. And he said, "No, why would I go to New York City?" And then the the, the barista said, "Oh, if I had a chance to go to New York City, I'd go in a heartbeat." And he turns, he says, "Yeah, maybe we could go." Interesting. Easily <laughs> swayed by it. So cool. By by baristas. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, wow. So, so yeah. So. Who knows what I'm going to do. But I have two tickets. We have now go. four tickets so to this, this band. Is this synchronistic? I don't know. I don't know. I have a story for you. And it might be synchronistic. You're okay. going to love this. So you know you dropped me off at the emergency room yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Right? You know what the emergency room is like. You're in there for a long time. Well, right? I was impressed. You didn't seem to have very much stuff with you. But no. when I texted you, you had food, you had water, you yeah, had a charger, you had a, on top of it, a baby. book. So I'm sitting there. After the triage, I'm waiting. And I had moved, and this gentleman came, sat next to me. His name is Darren. Okay. Homeless guy. Okay. okay. This is really funny. So we start chatting because, you know, there's been so much stuff. And I'm like, how often do you get to talk to a homeless person, right? So he's got a glove on. How did you know he was homeless? Did he oh, have like a. No, he was homeless. Man. Okay. So he's got a like a ski glove on one hand. Yeah. Know? So I said, Oh, like what's, you know, what's up? Oh, frostbit, frostbit fingers. I think I might lose a couple of fingers here. Right. And I was like, Holy shit, man. And I'm like, well, how'd you make it through? Like, you know, the minus 46. And he goes, Oh, that I was fine. He goes, but this is just got a little bit of humidity. Like my hand, like glove was wet and just cold enough. So he goes, yeah, it's tough, you know? So we're just chatting. Then he goes, well, what are you here for? I said, like, hypertensive crisis. He goes, oh, man, that's serious. Like, you really got to take care of that. Like, and I'm like, well, you got frozen fingers. He goes, yeah, but this is a systemic thing you got. Like, you got to take care of it. And he starts giving me nutritional advice. <laughs> like, you got to cut out the carbs. You know, he goes, I used to weigh, like, 30 pounds more. But, uh, you know, I've lost a bunch of weight, and I feel great. And I'm like, aren't you homeless? Like, <laughs> But it was weird. 
but it was kind of cool. Like, <laughs> like he was so concerned. It's like, yeah, no, you got to take care of that, buddy. That's, That's serious. serious stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like, thanks, man. So then I'm starting synchronicity wise. Is this guy real? <laughs> is, is this a like, is this a universal avatar? This is universe, the universe saying being sent to me. Maybe he's a time traveler and he's come back. Well, I don't know. Give you good advice, right? <laughs> so it's, well, you should move to BC. I've never been there. You should go, man. Move to the island. Move to the island. It's like maybe I can get a job. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not gonna freeze. Uh, so yeah, not easily. It was interesting, but he was so concerned. Oh, I'm like. It's like, should I take my glove off? I'm like, no, I don't need to, you know, see your blackened fingers. Oof. But because I'm thinking that's pretty serious. Yeah. But he's like, you don't want to screw around with systemic problems, buddy. Like, you got to take care of that. Like, oh, wow. good advice. Oh man. <laughs> um. Hey. So media. What media? I started the Elon book. I got it for Christmas. Oh, nice. And I'm about three chapters in. So you have a hardcover. I do. Paper. Yeah, oh, it's a great book. I enjoyed it so far. Yeah. yeah, his dad was a bit of a douche. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, I think I'm on the third chapter, and I'm like, this is pretty good. And then honestly, with everything that's been going on, I have not consumed, pardon me, much other media. I don't watch any shows lately. It's just been. Well, I read a Jack Reacher novel, and now I've started this Elon. Well, it's been two works. weeks. Um, uh, I, we finished the Silo series. Oh, yeah. I think I, we talked about that mm-hmm. before. Um, but I was so intrigued by the Silo series, the, okay. the TV series, yeah. that I listened to yeah, the book. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's my Siri. That's Siri. Yeah. It does that all the time. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, so uh, so I so the the book is there's a Silo series of books. There's three of them. Yep. And the first one is called Wool. Wool? Wool. Okay. And like sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and what I found really interesting is, you know, I'm going like, well, you know, the television show, it kind of, it ended and it was really quite exciting where it ended. And right. And then I'm listening to the book and there are some significant differences between the book and the TV show. Yeah, usually there are, yeah. But the book, the TV show ends like a third of the way through the book. Oh, like and in fact, the the book wool. I think we talked about this. Is like eight parts, okay. and it was a uh, he did an ebook. Okay, for it, and uh, so it was only like fifty eight pages. Oh, interesting to start because yeah. there's just these little little books. So right. so the whole. The whole actual book is a compilation of eight of these. Sure, that's stories. like what uh, Stephen King did that with the Green Mile. Oh, I didn't he released that book in like short stories. Yeah, yeah. So this is basically that, and uh, so Charles Dickens, some of those classics from from yeah. Charles Dickens were also released that way. Oh, interesting. Back in the nineteenth century. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So almost well, like a serial kind. Well, of Well, that's thing. what uh, I guess uh, Dune and foundation were both right. uh they were done in like uh, magazines yeah right right so they were serialized in magazines but the um russian I, science fiction when magazines? i was i was surprised that yeah russian <laughs> science fiction well, i was uh surprised it's russian science fiction hey everybody's got bread mm, science fiction well i was expecting you go get uh so like i'm going like wow it's like 
it's like the TV show has kind of ended halfway through right. the book. I'm, so and there's all these themes in the TV show that aren't in the first part of the book. Oh, and I'm going, oh, well, maybe they'll come back to it in the no. <laughs> Will there be more TV shows though? Yeah, like, yeah. They've already, season? they've already, okay. they've already done. And and the other thing I did is I uh, watched uh, Slow Horses season three. So there's a season three. It, so it's uh, you've never heard of Slow Horses? No. Oh my god! So Slow Horses is an Apple Apple TV Apple yeah, plus, yeah, yeah, plus yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's been released relatively quickly. Okay. So um, this the season one came out in like April of last year. Okay. Season two came out in like uh, four months later. Okay. And season three, like four months later or a year later. Like it's all been in fairly rapid succession. Right. And it's about these uh, MI5 agents. Oh, and okay. the, the head agent is Gary Oldman. Oh, yes, I have heard of this. And, yes, uh, really so good. he gained yeah. a whole bunch of weight right. to play this character, sure. Jackson Lamb. And, uh, and, and like, this character, Gary Oldman is very convincing as this this person. And he's a detestable uh, guy. Right. Um, but he's in charge. <laughs> he's in charge of this team of misfit MI5, but basically losers. And they all hang out at a place called Slough House, which Ooh. is SL. O-U-G-H house and they're called the slow horses and they're not really they're MI5 agents that don't really have any of the privileges or rights associated with MI5 mm. and um, they're basically losers and they're all different kinds of losers for very different kinds Interesting. of reasons and um, what do they do? And uh, well that is a good question. Let's do something. They're usually doing stuff nobody else wants to do. Ah yeah okay. And they're all often used to be set up in these political pawn games to right. be the they're fall like guys. the dirty dozen. Yeah, but yeah. they're yeah. And anyway, so uh, so there's three seasons. There's a fourth one on the way. Okay. Uh, so you're and, enjoying it? Oh my god, it's really good. Okay. The only thing is Gary Oldman. So he he he, he is basically taking possession of this character's yep. appearance, including. Okay. He, he demanded that he do his own hair, so the hair is like greasy and slimy, and he, yeah. like you can, you can, like it's like it's like you can smell him, yeah. Okay, even you though you can this. see yeah, him, but yeah, you can, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a crumpled, dirty clothes. Oh my god! Like yes. clothes, you know, and and his clothes have the look that clothes that have not been washed sure. for a long time. Like it's just it looks that like, yeah. like it's com compelling. Yeah. But anyway, the story is really good, and uh, he is such an amazing actor, and they kill off characters yeah. it's like uh, it's like game of thrones i saw him being interviewed and he was saying how he, he really didn't like his performance in harry potter right that's what you were saying yeah, yeah because, right? either because he, he didn't really didn't really know what this yeah because i think they hadn't released the further stories so he was like yeah just it was had i known oh yeah because that rickman was a friend much closer to jk rowling right and so she would give him more Clues, insight, insight into where the thing, the whole thing was going. Right. Whereas Gary Oldman didn't. And he's like, we were sort of playing it. As we went along. On the and he's such a, uh, I don't know if you'd call him a method actor, but he's, his, you know, he's, he's invested. He invests, yeah. Invests so he's like himself. not knowing what it's all about. He was like, well, you know, do the best I could. Yeah. And, um, which was still amazing. But. And, uh, slow horses is, is, uh, is based upon this series of books. Okay. 
So uh, like the, the each, each season is one book. So cool. It's pretty cool. It All right. Worth one. Um, yeah, that's it. Anything for, else? No, I think that's it. No? Okay. So uh, we'll talk about, I don't know what, something else next week. Who knows well, what's going to happen? Always find something interesting. Because there's always synchronicity. That that's right. That determines what we're going to so, be I'm amazed. That is so cool that I picked it up at 1111. Because I swear to God, that happens to me at least once a day. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah, it's cool. 1111. No, sometimes it's 12, 11, 9, 11, 8, 11. Okay. Yeah. Song on the radio, 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Just like, wow. That's a long or a video on YouTube. A long song. Yeah. Have a great day. 11. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>